0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Brought to you by JohnnyTShirt.com, the go-to provider for all your Tar Heel gear.
2: Welcome to the Coast to Coast podcast. I'm your host, John Siegley. I'm joined by Cheryl McMillan and Sean Moran. We are sponsored, as always, by Giant T-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. We are recording the Sunday before Christmas. Hope that everyone listening is having a happy beginning to their holidays. Guys, let's go ahead and first off, take a deep breath and just relish in the fact that we actually have a positive game to talk about because Caroline was able to beat UCLA on Saturday, 74-64. to So, Sherelle, I know that your spirits may have been dampened by the Cowboys, unfortunately, losing their game today. So, I don't know how this weekend goes for you. I guess it might be close to a wash. But when you're looking at the UNC victory, How important do you think it is for this team to have gotten that win at this point in the season? And if you want to talk about the Cowboys for a few seconds, you definitely can as well, man. No, no
3: one wants to hear talking Cowboys. Uh, So uh, I think it was tremendously important for UNC. You know, first off, it was a victory, something they hadn't had in a while. Um, They hadn't had any chances to, you know, really get any confidence to really feel good about themselves. And now, Um, they get the win and it's going into Christmas break. So they have a chance to, um, you know, go home, have, uh, you know, Christmas dinner, holidays, dinners, you know, see friends, see family, kind of just take a step back from everything basketball and refresh themselves and get ready for kind of the grueling run it is the rest of the season all the way through um, they hope, you know, the end of March. So I I think it came at a perfect time. Um, You know, they didn't play great. (laughs) I, I don't want anybody to think, um, that all the ills of this team are magically gone. But what they did do was they played hard. They kind of grinded their way to a win. And, you know, you, you take them however you can get them. And I think that's what the important part was for, for UNC, is that they can go into break feeling good about themselves and kind of reset the season now um, once they get back from, from holiday break.
2: Yeah, I mean, this was another ugly win. We saw UNC rack up several of these early in the season, but then during that four-game losing streak, I mean, they were just struggling to do everything. I do think, though, that it was key in this one that you know UNC kind of found their shooting a little bit better. I mean, 41.8% overall, 33% from three. When you're looking at the numbers from this game, Sean, I mean, is this kind of what UNC fans should be expecting? Kind of a, I guess what you would call like a baseline box score for this version of the Tar Heels.
4: Yeah, I think so. I don't think you're going to see too many games where they're shooting over 40% from three. Um, but overall, you know, the numbers aren't, aren't great. They have, you know, they scored uh 0.95 points per possession. So that was down from the Gonzaga game and, you know, as Cheryl mentioned, it was a win and, and very positive, especially heading into the the break. But once again, UCLA, you know, they're ranked in the 100. So there's, there's a lot of smaller name teams that are ahead of them. But once again, still a good win and still a win where they were able to put together a 12-0 run. So, you know, that's something they haven't been able to do in a while. And then it was a game where they were able to battle back from UCLA going on a big run at the beginning of the second half um and pull away at the end. So I think it showed a little bit of resilience and then I know we're going to get into it later but it also showed, you know, what we can expect going forward through the first half of the ACC with a larger role for both Francis and Harris. Um, you know, Francis shot just 1 for 1 for 8 and had an offensive rating of 86, but I think the ball just moved so much better with him in. So I think, you know, there's hope for improvement. The tempo uh, saw a marked increase in in how UNC was playing on the
3: West Coast, and hopefully that can continue uh, going forward. I mean, it had, it had been, you know, so bad offensively. I think going back, they hadn't had a double-digit lead since the Oregon game, so not quite a month. And I think uh, they were up seven against lawford, and that was kind of the biggest lead since. Um, so it's been really, really rough. So, I mean, that that stretch at the end of the first half and then with Anthony Harris in the second half was just kind of a, a, I think a breath of fresh air. You could see a little bit of uh, just um, weight off the shoulders of the players as, as that happened uh, at the end of the first half and then towards the end of the game. Yeah, and, and I think it was interesting that
2: from what I'm looking at here at the box score, I mean, UNC was actually out-rebounded in this game, but I think just their the, the improved offensive play from the, the guard position, like you mentioned, Sean, I think that that ultimately is what won this game for the Heels. Well, what was your key to this game? How do you think UNC was able to pull out this victory and especially answer that second half run that UCLA went on when, you know, it looked like they
3: actually might be the ones pulling this one out. I think a part of it was UCLA's incompetence. Um, So let's, as Sean said, we we don't need to um, ignore that. They're, they're not a good team. So um, let's keep that in mind, but also UNC, I think did, did do a good job defensively. Uh, I'd say the last, the last 10 minutes of the second half that they did really well defensively. And then, they got sparks from Anthony Harris and Jeremiah Francis and uh, Armando Bacot played you know much better than he had the previous two games and Garrison Brooks was steady. So if you can get four guys playing well and then B Rob had a stretch at the end of the first half where he you know shot the ball really well. If you can get four guys who play well for most of the game and then a couple of guys who you know do some things for a few minutes, I think that's a recipe for North Carolina to win. But again, um, you know they have to continue to improve because the competition is going to ramp up. You know, not right now, but once they get deep into ACC play, you know, they've they've got some ramp over the next month, but the competition will get better. Well, even
2: their next opponent, Yale, I mean, they just beat Clemson 54-45, but we will do kind of a, a deeper look into that Yale matchup next week, potentially. Let's go ahead, though, and get your thoughts on this, Sean. What were your keys as to how UNC was able to get this victory?
4: Well, you look at the box score and you have five players and double figures, which um, you know is u- something UNC fans are used to, but, but definitely not this year. Uh, last week, we talked about Brandon Robinson having to improve his play. And overall, he just shot three of nine from three, but he did hit three. Um, and some of those were very timely in the first half to give them a the lead. And then you had Armando really bounce back from Uh, You know, the the two games he was playing, and I I think it was three of 20, if I'm not mistaken, going into that game um, after Gonzaga and, um, you know, going right before that. So for him to bounce back, that was a plus, Um, the five players in double figures. But then really having the guard play, I know both the first half and second half started out with with KJ, um, and, he you know, he gave 10 minutes, but really, you know, kind of the Jeremiah Francis and Anthony Harris show. And that was something we got a little taste of at UVA. um, And then I've seen a little bit more. So from Francis rather than Harris um, coming in, but now I think you have two guys that are freshmen, so they're going to have their ups and downs, but they definitely provide UNC with some hope, you know, for the, this this season until Cole comes back, but also, you know, just going into the future of here, are two competent guards um, that haven't played over the last year for Harris or two years for Francis and now these are looking like four-year players that could be pretty good um so I think for for me that was a big takeaway was just the the
2: scoring from a team perspective as well as the the play of the freshman all right well let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break to talk about our friends at joint t-shirt and t shirtcom They are your place to go for Carolina gear. If you need any last minute gift ideas for the Tar Heel fan and your family, you can head down to Franklin Street where Giant T-Shirt has been in business for decades. They have the absolute best customer service. They have anything that you could possibly want. If you can't make it to Chapel Hill, you can always shop online at GiantT-Shirt.com to get the same great selection and the same great customer service. And remember that if you are a subscriber to Inside Carolina, you get 10% off of your orders at GiantT-Shirt.com or there at their shop on Franklin Street. You can get that 10% off code from the Inside Carolina Tar Pit Premium Message Board or the Basketball Premium Message Board. So that's GiantT-Shirt and GiantT-Shirt.com. Your place to go for Carolina gear. I think that's a really good segue, Sean, into talking about Francis and Harris, actually. So let's go ahead and start talking about their play, because they were big time unknowns coming into this season, just because, like you said, they just had not played a whole lot of the two, especially Francis. You know, his injury was just so severe, but he was pretty highly rated early on in his high school career. So let's go ahead and start with Francis then, and we'll go ahead and stick with you, Sean. When you're looking at how he is playing right now for UNC compared to what little you saw of him in high school, what do you think his game evaluation is right now?
4: Well, going back going back some years, the first time I got to see him in person uh, was out in, out in California. It was the second week of the live evaluation period, um, and it was actually... I remember interviewing him and we we chatted UNC, but then it was really the week after, I think in Vegas that that Roy re- really started watching him and and offered him pretty soon after, um, and I remember you know watching him a lot of similarities where he liked to push the tempo and he liked to really attack and you know he's been doing that obviously playing at the at the 16 U level in AU is a lot different than you know playing Gonzaga or in the ACC. And I think, you know, one of the things we'll see him struggle with a little bit is just his finishing ability as he as he does get used to the size and athleticism. But I think the attacking nature um, is something that he didn't lose and is something that UNC has benefited from. Um, You know, it can create easier shots. Something I mentioned earlier was just the ball was moving, moving better when he was in the game. And I think that can help players like Brandon Robinson, especially. Um, you know, and maybe Keeling or Playtech off the bench down the road, just find, find better shots. Um, you know, from a shooting perspective, he, he was able to get to the line. Uh, you know, once again, didn't have a great shooting performance, but I think he can, he can hit the three, he can hit the pull up and he's going to put pressure on defense, which is definitely what UNC needs going forward.
2: All right. What about you, Cheryl? What did you see from Francis? And then how do you think it has translated
3: to the college game? I think for people listening to this podcast, it might be a good chance to re- just kind of refresh on his recruitment overall. So, um, you know, he's a teammate of Sterling Manley at Pickerington High Central High School in Ohio. Um, and North Carolina, you know, really didn't see Sterling Manley playing a game before offering him a scholarship. But when he was already committed uh, as a senior, they went a couple of times and watched Pickerington and came you know, away impressed with Francis. Steve Robinson was the lead on his recruitment. Um, so the, I guess it was June of 2017, Francis came down to North Carolina and took a visit and really loved it. And then Roy Williams and staff watched him uh, during the July live periods and came away impressed. And like Sean said, a week after um, he saw him in Las Vegas, which was the last real basketball he played prior to the Virginia game, he got the Carolina offer. And I think that's important because they liked him so much, they offered him before – uh, Ashton Hagen, who at the time was in the 2019 class uh, before Cole Anthony, um, before a few other players who, you know, probably are more, high, you know, highly regarded coming out of high school. So that tells you that Rollins was really impressed by him and really liked the way he played prior to injury. Um, so this isn't, you know, a player who magically came on or or a player who was ranked in the 200s. who's was an underdog story. It's an underdog story, but not in that way. You know, this is a legitimately good basketball player who's recruited by a ton of schools prior to committing to UNC, which he did, I guess, six days after he got the scholarship offer. Um, So anyway, I wanted to give that background first so people know that we're talking about a really good basketball player prior to injury. The issue was that his injuries were so concerning that, you know, he didn't know if he was going to play basketball again. Um, We had heard that for a while that, you know, maybe they were thinking about a red shirt. Maybe he was going to try and sit out a while. But here he is, you know, in December making plays on the road against Gonzaga, the number two team in the country, and then, you know, against um, a team like UCLA on a big stage on national TV. Um, And I think to answer your question now, after going through all that, (laughs) what carried over the most is what Sean said. He just really loves to bulldog his way to the basket, just kind of attack at all times. Um, They compared him to when they were recruiting him, they actually compared him to Ty Lawson and Joel Berry. You know, sometimes coaches can be – a little facetious in that regard, but I do think there is some legitimacy, particularly to the Joel Berry comparison, just because he is, you know, kind of stocky build. He's built like a linebacker um, mm-hmm. and he just kind of bullies his way into the paint. And He really can push tempo. He's a lot faster than I think people realize. And as his conditioning improves, I think they'll see you'll see that tempo continue to increase. Um, so that, that's to me what has carried over the most is that he hasn't lost that aggression. How do you think he's
2: managing being a guard in Roy Williams' system, Sherelle? And, I mean, it's a lot to expect of him, but I think he's done a really good job so far. I mean, far better than what I think anyone could have have anticipated to be truthful. But when you're
3: looking at how he's fitting into the offense, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, there's a great piece. If you haven't subscribed to IC, you should do it. And check out Adrian Atkinson's film room, where he kind of breaks down uh, the things that, Jeremiah Francis is doing well in Carolina's system that maybe other point guards haven't been doing, um, and I think it's something that he's learned throughout his life just being around basketball. His dad was a captain at Ohio State, um, so I, I think he just kind of has that natural innate feel for a lead guard. So I think that's really where that comes from, and it's it's very difficult as many point guards in the past have you know have shown to come in and be a freshman and play well. In North Carolina, now he's he's not playing at an All American level or anything, but he's definitely given the team something that it didn't have with Cole Anthony being out.
4: I think we all know it's not not easy to to come in, especially coming in off of not playing for two years and and missing preseason. But he's come in and and it kind of feels like he's been you know been playing under their system for a while, and he knows it. um You know, I think just you know, you can see the increase in tempo right now. They're ranked 50th. So still, you know, a pretty slow paced team by a Roy, you know, Roy Williams nature, but I think we'll, we'll see that increase. And, you know, I think if he gets more comfortable with the players and his body, um, we'll continue to see him evolve as a point guard. So I, I think he's probably surpassed, you know, definitely any, anybody's expectations. And I think, you know, even with, with Cole, was in there you know we were talking about you know how difficult it is for freshmen to kind of fit in and excel in the system and certainly not talking about excelling at this point but he's definitely been competent
2: and and been a big surprise and a you know kind of a delight to watch play all right let's go ahead then and talk about anthony harris who had a really good game against ucla i been looking at his box score here five of seven from the field two of three from three point 14 total points. And he did have the four personal fouls, which is something that he's definitely going to have to work on. But with UNC just desperate for any sort of scoring from the outside, Sherelle, how do you think Harris can fit into that role? Do you think that he really can become a more
3: steady contributor in that regard for this team? Uh, I mean, more steady than what they've had, sure. I don't think he is, you know, Cam Johnson or Kobe White or anything. I don't think he is what you would consider a plus shooter. And that's not a knock on him. That's just where he's at right now. Certainly he can develop into that over the next couple of years. I think where he's going to uh, make his mark is what you saw on the defensive end. I mean, he really gets after it defensively. Um, I think he's a tough, you know, tough guard who can go in and get rebounds. Um, I think he's good. um, Just another ball handler who can push pace. So I think that's the way he kind of helps the team. Anything they get from him beyond the arc, they should, um, you know, consider it, you know, be glad they got it, but this, I don't think it's something that they should count on moving forward. What's your take on Harrison? What have you seen
2: from him early on here?
4: Well, once again, kind of a, a delight to watch a uh, watch play, and he's brought kind of a breath of fresh energy to the team. And I think he's he's definitely different than what Carolina has had in the past. He's a definitely a bulldog and gets after it as Phil mentioned, um, and and kind of provides a a spark of energy. So he, you know, played very well in limited minutes uh, against Gonzaga and then against UCLA, um, having eight against Gonzaga, then 14 against UCLA. And I think even going back to the Virginia game, we saw it in just a few, a few minutes. And I think everybody was kind of, you know, watching him and say, Oh, you know, expect him to get some more minutes against Wofford. And we only saw him for, for 10 minutes in that game. And now I think we'll start to see him, him more, um, you know, for him, we mentioned the year absence, but you know, going to where he played at before, uh, Paula Six and the Washington Catholic League, which is one of the top high school leagues in the country, um, as well as team takeover on the Nike AU circuit. So you're talking about two teams that are, are very well coached and that play at the highest levels of both high school and AU. So he's definitely no stranger to, to competition. And, you know, I think will we see him knocking down 2 for 3 from 3 every game no but um you know i think he has shown the ability in aau to to knock down threes um and i think once again that just opens the floor up for everybody else and then combine that with his attacking mindset and uh you know i think along with francis it'll give give randolph and other guys better shots um or maybe shots that they weren't getting before so between his effort on the defensive end and then hopefully what he can continue to bring on the offensive end. um, I think he'll be another pleasant
2: surprise for UNC, you know, for the rest of the season, as well as, as going forward. All right, let's talk about the rotations here in just a second, but for right now, let's take our last commercial break. We'll be right back after this.
1: Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master new skill.
5: up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast
2: and we are back with the inside carolina podcast john Siegler here with sean moran and sherelle mcmillan for our weekly coast to coast podcast so guys looking at the minute breakdowns here I mean, Keeling only had eight minutes, Playtech played four. Meanwhile, Francis, 28, Harris, 17, and then also KJ Smith with 10. Now, the other wing and guards, you had Leaky Black playing 22, B-Rob playing 33. But specifically looking at Pierce, Playtech, Harris, Francis, and Keeling, do you guys think that Roy will start playing Harris and Francis more and they will get be getting the line share of minutes at those at those guard spots until Cole Anthony comes back. Let's start with you for this one, Sean.
4: I, I do. Um, I, you know, I think it'll be interesting how the minutes are allocated. Uh, I think I think you'll definitely see Francis move into the starting lineup. You'll see Harris ideally start playing more than twenty. You know, the one thing I wonder about Francis is how is he doing. After the games, is he is he just in a lot of pain? Is he in the the ice bucket? Um, is he is he on a minutes restriction at all? Um, so that's kind of one a few questions I have about how is he feeling after these games? You know, can he play 30 plus minutes? But assuming he's playing in the high 20s, I think you have Harris for 20. Um, and then you know then it's going to be a, a question mark. I think. You know, I thought Keeling played well in Spurts against Gonzaga, um, but you didn't really see him or play tech at all in the second half. Um, so I think, you know, is, is that gonna be something moving forward. And I could see depending on the team and depending on the situation, uh Roy being a little more restrictive with those two guys off the bench. But I think another question mark is is leaky. I mean you've got a you know, six eight sophomore, um, a guy that's battled injuries and you know, a guy that can can handle the ball, can play the guard spot, but one that, you know, just hasn't been ready at this point of the season. Um, And and I wonder, you know, will his minutes start to get cut um, once we enter ACC play? I think there is potential there, but, you know, last year didn't have a lot of playing time this year battling the injuries. And, you know, I think for him, uh, you know, you might start to see him maybe 10 10 to 15 minutes a game um, depending on if Harris can continue playing hot off the bench. So all that being said, I think it, you know, it'll be interesting to see how, how Roy works it. And I think it'll be different probably for each game and matchup, depending on how much he trusts Keeling and play tech off the bench um, as well as what role Leaky has going forward.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, you know, I don't think anything is set in stone yet. I think that their play has definitely earned Harris and Francis uh, more minutes. I think we're all in agreement that uh, Francis will probably start as long as he doesn't have any setbacks, is feeling fine um, until, you know, play Anthony comes back. Um, what I would say is that for Playtech, Pierce, and Keeling, um, just as Harris and Francis had the opportunity to play well and gain more minutes in a big game, Playtech and Francis, Playtech, excuse me, Pierce and Keeling are going to have the same opportunity. So, um, you know, Harrison Francis shouldn't just be penciled in as they're going to play 32 minutes for the rest of the year. Uh, I think Roy Williams said the best after the game that he's going to play the people who he thinks give him the best chance to win. And, you know, maybe one night it's not Anthony Harris. Maybe one night it's Playtech. Maybe one night it's not Justin Pierce. Maybe it's Christian Keeling. You know, it, so I, I think fans are saying, okay, they're like ready to. Just whisk those guys away off the rotation, off the bench, and kind of forget about them. But um, if the goal is to win games, then you're going to do it by any means necessary. And we just don't know when Justin Pierce might hit four or five threes or or grab a couple of rebounds. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be an open competition. I think Brooks and and Baycott are are kind of the ones who really solidified uh, their minutes. I guess Robinson to some degree as well. And I think everything else is kind of up for grabs. Yeah. I think just one, one quick thing
4: on that is, you know, Pierce of, of what can he contribute going forward? I know, you know, only played 10 minutes, nothing really in the second half, but all you have to do is go back to the Gonzaga game and Armando picking up some quick fouls and having four for the game. So, you know, him being an inexperienced player, I think that'll definitely happen at times in ACC play and Pierce, You know, he was getting recruited by UNC, Michigan, a lot of the big schools and was third team all CAA. And I think at at some point, you know, nobody's asking for him to score 20 points, but he's going to have to come up off the bench, be able to knock down a three or a jump shot and and run the floor and and be a strong contributor, uh, you know, for this team to to get wins. Because I I think there'll definitely be some games where Armando gets into foul trouble um, in conference play.
2: Final thought on this, guys, and then we'll switch over to the recruiting aspect of the podcast. But when Cole Anthony does return, do you think that it will cause a shuffle amongst these guards? And who do you think could be the one that might eventually fall out of that rotation? Sherelle, let's get your thoughts on that first.
3: Uh, I I don't really have a guess, to be honest. Uh, I think they need all hands on deck. So I think it's just going to vary from game to game. One day. It might be Anthony and Keeling, you know when if uh, Anthony comes back, one game it might be Francis and Playtech, another game it might be Harris and black, so I you know I think they're gonna need all of them because the team you know just isn't talented enough to rely on four or five or six guys they need contributions from everyone um you know finding their role, finding what they do well, and that's how they win games. I don't think it's gonna be a situation anymore where um you know six or seven guys play all the minutes because. Roy now has the advantage of putting people on the bench, and I always heard people say that the bench is the is a great motivator. that's what they always say, and now they have they've shown that they have some guys who can play and uh so everybody's unnoticed now all right Sean, what's your thoughts?
4: I think it'll be very interesting to see you know Cole Anthony won getting healthy um uh, since he wasn't playing playing fully healthy the last few games, so it'll be interesting to see how him and uh Francis coexist I think you know, obviously Cole, um, very ball dominant and has, you know, is used to having the ball in his hands. But I think, you know, he can probably improve his efficiency a little bit with, um, with Francis getting him better shots. So I think, you know, those two can coexist with Harris coming off the bench and providing the spark. But then once again, you know, they're not going to be, be hitting on, on every day. Um, I don't think you're going to be benching Anthony assuming he's, he's healthy, but, You know, if it is having leaky Keeling, Playtech, uh, you know, those guys coming in for for spot minutes versus, you know, maybe the 20 plus minutes they were getting earlier in the year. I think that could be be beneficial to all parties. And and hopefully with that, you can start to see UNC's offensive efficiency start to climb a little bit,
2: um, you know, as we go through January into February. All right, good stuff, guys. Let's go ahead and wrap it up with some recruiting talk. I believe, Sean, you said off-air that the City of Palms tournament is the one that you've been following closest. RJ Davis and Dayron Sharp have been participating. So what have you seen so far from that tournament?
4: Yeah, so we talked about this a little bit last week in the preview, but one of my favorite tournaments. And, you know, once again, I've been going there for 10 years, um, but this year I've been watching online and uh Flow Sports has done a great job, a company that I wasn't too fond of going in, but it's been been great to be able to watch the games live or on replay. Um and uh the tournament has one more day, so Monday. Uh Dayron and Montverde are in the championship game against IMG. So they're gonna play Monday night. Um and they've been beating teams by almost thirty eight points, which is which is pretty crazy, especially given uh, the teams that they've been been beating. And then you have RJ Davis, who will have one more game in the afternoon. His team is has gone two and one, so they get one more game. Um, starting with, I guess, Dayron will be the, the quickest just because he's only been, you know, he's seen 16 minutes uh, per game over the three games. And a lot of that is due to how bad they're beating teams. Uh, but he's shooting 81% from the floor. He's only missed four shots over five games. Um, so he's averaging 12 points and, and six rebounds in 16 minutes. So very efficient. Um, you know, he's been, been running the floor well, and I think starting to feel pretty comfortable with the team and, and with his health. I know, uh, with the DeMatha game, uh, that was kind of his first, first game back and, and being on national television, you know, cause, caused some questions of, of how is he feeling, but, I think he's definitely feeling good. He uh you know has been able to run the floor, has a good pick and roll game with Cade Cunningham, has shown some nifty footwork in the post. Um so I think you know all signs are are positive on him. It'll be be fun watching him against IMG kind of going against another big guy his size. Um so positive things from him and then you've R- RJ Davis who has been averaging almost 23 points over three games um, to go with four assists and four rebounds. For him, he shot 38% from three, but only 43% from the field. Um, so he's had two games under 500. But I, I, to be honest, I've really enjoyed watching him play. And I think he'll be able to pro- provide a spark almost immediately at UNC. I think from a ball handling perspective, he'll probably be the most, I'd say, creative dribbler that UNC has had. Um, you know, he's able to, you know, do a lot with the ball. And he does it pretty, pretty quickly, kind of one move, two moves. So he's not just dribbling aimlessly out on the floor, but he's hit some some really difficult shots. Uh, you know, watching him in his first game was very impressed by his offhand. So, you know, there's one move he, he got a steal, uh, about foul line extended, push the ball up with his left hand in traffic and finish with his left hand uh with two people kind of draped over him. So that was pretty impressive. He's shown the ability to hit pull-ups, deep threes. Um so kind of a great great tournament for him. I know there's some some good highlights on YouTube. I'd say the one not really concern, but um you know, thing to watch for him going forward is is his quickness. He's he's quick overall, but in terms of his first step sometimes he needs that you know extra move to kind of create space or the step back um, rather than just kind of fully beating his man off the dribble but the good thing is he has those moves in his repertoire so uh, for me I'm pretty excited to get to you know to get to see him in Chapel Hill next year.
3: Hey Sean you know we watched him a ton um, at AU and then went up there and and wrote a couple stories on him but from for people who haven't seen him in a game what do you like that doesn't show up on you know like highlight tapes
4: um i think just his his presence i mean i know we've we've talked about him as a combo guard and i think you bring up a good point about you know highlight tapes versus just how somebody plays in the game and you know he's been very comfortable at the point guard spot um but it, it, i'd say it's really his just ability to, to handle the ball, um, you know, for him, the ball is kind of on a string almost where, you know, he can hit you with a between the legs crossover, step back really quickly. And, you know, once again, to go with his left hand, you know, if he, if he needed to play the point guard spot, he could definitely do that. If you had to put him off the ball, you could do that. Um, so I think, you know, you see some of the, the step backs and the the deep threes and the, and the highlights, but Um, you know, for me, it was the ball handling ability, just his confidence, uh, as he, as he brought the ball up the court and went one-on-one against the defense. But another thing I think is his passing, um, you know, he's averaging four assists, but when you, when you watch him get into the paint, um, he has really good vision and he's a, a pretty unselfish, unselfish player. Um, so he'll get in the paint. He won't force things, but he does have a nice floater. Uh, but he knows how how to find the man uh, that's open and he knows how to do it do it really quickly. So I would say his ball handling as well as his passing ability are maybe two things that don't fully show up
2: um, on the YouTube clips. That's an awesome breakdown, Sean. Thanks for that, man. Sherelle, what about you? Who have you been following during these holiday tournaments?
3: Well, uh watched Caleb Love was today. So I guess it was last night. Because <laughs> we uh, had heard, so Christian, he was playing a game against Christian Lander, who was one of the Uh, Actually, I think he's the highest rated 2021 uh, point guard, someone who North Carolina has looked at but hasn't yet offered. And we had gotten some info that Royal Williams might fly from Las Vegas to uh, Emmiston, Indiana, where they were playing. Um, He did not make it, I don't think. So just went ahead and watched the game and just continued to be uh, impressed with Caleb Love and how he's playing. I mean, um, his jump shot has really, really improved. I think that's something that was a question mark, um, especially as he made the transition from kind of combo guard to, more of a full-time lead guard uh was you know one would he be able to initiate offense would he be able to run offense and then two was he a good enough shooter to keep um defenders off of him so he could use his athleticism and, and speed and just um size to get into the lane and i think so far he has there were a couple of times he made some uh, uh some really pro moves uh One that comes to mind was a step back three um, just from the right side. And it happened so quick. The defender, who, you know, didn't seem to be in bad position, just had absolutely no time to react. I mean, he created the shot in the space probably within a second or two. Um, It just it just happened, you know, in a snap. So that was really impressive. And then, you know, his athleticism really comes through when you're watching him play as well, Um, even if it's not, you know, highlight dunk or anything like that, just the way he weaves in and out of traffic, um, the way he gets by defenders, all of that really stands out. Um, and again, he was playing against, you know, a, a decent team, um, a team who has a really good player and his just, his trajectory is definitely on the way up. You know, there've been times over the last few years where Carolina has players who might've peaked, you know, as a junior in high school, as a senior in high school, or as a freshman in college. And it just definitely doesn't seem to be the case for love. He seems to be on the steadiest sense. Um, and, you know, from everything we're hearing, like he continues he'll likely continue to rise in the rankings. He seems like a surefire McDonald's all American and just a player who um, you know, is just a great signing for North Carolina. So which tournaments are left now, Sharella? Are there any more before the end of the year? Uh the big one is actually in Raleigh or yeah, sorry, Broughton High School. It's the John Wall Holiday Imitational. Um, Puff Johnson uh and Hillcrest will be there. Um Hillcrest is going through a lot lately, Puff Johnson actually hit a game-winning shot down at the Chick-fil-A Classic in Columbia. And I think they're in the championship game, which is tomorrow night um, down in Columbia. And then they will head to uh, Raleigh for the John Wall. Um, Mount Verde is also in that tournament as well. So people will be able to see uh, De'Aaron Sharp. And then there's some underclassmen here good as well. So that's going to be the main thing as far as inside Carolina coverage. Uh, ben will be there, live updates, stories, and everything. So check for that starting the day after Christmas.
2: All right, nice. What about you, Sean? Any other ones that are going to be catching your eye over the next week or two?
4: Well, I'll hopefully be following that one from afar, and and then we'll we'll hopefully be watching uh, the IMG versus the Montverde game tomorrow night. So excited for that. And then just to piggyback onto what you know, Cheryl was talking about, Caleb Love, and and he had a very strong strong game on on Saturday. And I, I think the thing that should be exciting you know there haven't been a lot of exciting moments this year but um, it's just how talented the guards as well as the big men will be next year I mean you're going to have you'll have Francis and Harris and then you'll have Love and Davis so you have four guys that can handle the ball score the ball and can shoot the ball Um, and then you have the four bigs between Brooks Armando and then De'Ron and Kessler so you know I think one of the things that's just been Missing overall has been, you know, the the talent ability, you know, preseason, you would look at, you know, top 100 lists of kind of NBA prospects, and you'd have Cole in the top five, and then you wouldn't have have anybody else. So I think, you know, next year, there'll be kind of that influx of talent, where if one guy is not not
2: playing well, there's plenty of other options around him uh, to step up. Good deal, guys. Well, I think we've covered just about everything. So we'll go ahead and wrap this podcast up. Thank you guys a lot for talking to me and hope that you have a happy holiday. Yep. Thank you and happy
4: holidays to, to you and everyone else. Except for Jason Gear. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks for listening to another podcast from InsideCarolina.com. Brought to you by shirt.com. Where to go for your next Tar Heel gear purchase.